0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American Patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. And here it is, it's the Kyle Serafin Show. Hello, my friends, and welcome. It's December the 27th, it's Wednesday, and today is the third day of Christmas. All right, so I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. Number one, I want to set up something for Friday and I want to do it today on Wednesday. It's probably one of my all time favorite stand up comedians. This is something you probably don't know about me, but I used to watch stand up comedy with my wife. This is before we had kids. We had time to sit and we would just analyze them like total nerds, like total weirdos, like what worked, what didn't, why the bit was effective. Uh, I used to watch a ton of stand-up comedy. I absolutely love the way that stand-up comedians basically tell what is actually true in a way that mm, they get past the censors. They're able to sneak them past the goalposts and get a lot of important truths in non offensive ways, because people are there to be entertained and they can sometimes stab them right in the heart. But this is one of the most loving versions of that type of stand up comedy. And the setup is not gonna be known until we do Friendly Friday. So I'm just gonna tell you right now. But the third day of Christmas, which I talked about just a little bit on Dinesh D'Souza's show yesterday. Yes, I am guest hosting De- Dinesh D'Souza's show. I have shown up yesterday on a uh, an interview with Redacted. This is a really busy week. While many of you are taking the week off and you're like, hey, let's get into the new year. Let's take our time. Let's slowly ease into this thing. And then let's get it. Let's go 2024. Uh, 2024. No, we are not sleeping in the Seraphim house because we've got a little baby who has decided she's gonna start gumming. So she must be teething. And then two, it's like, it's game on. It's game on with all the things. We were doing two shows right now, each one one in the morning and one just afterwards to do Dinesh's show, uh, plus interviews, plus all the other requests that come in. So full speed. So here's the deal. My kids asked me today, what is the the lyric for the third day of Christmas? And it occurred to me that I didn't mention it yesterday. So it goes something like this. Um, On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens. Two turtle doves and a partridge and a pear tree. Now, there's a lot of birds in this song. I don't really know why. So somebody will drop that in the uh, comments for me. Don't put it in the chat. Put it down there in the comments so we can figure out why are there so many birds. And it's like birds and slave type servants, right? Like that's the two things that are in that song, essentially. It's a bunch of like drummers and maids and so on and so forth. Will you tell me why that is? Because I don't want to look it up. I've got so many things in my mind. I don't have time for that. But... Three French Hens today, okay. Keep it in your head. We're gonna get there. Um, and yes, of course I can sing. I'm watching you guys in the chat. You guys are actually—I just realized that you're you're 20 seconds behind today. Usually it's it's much less, but you're 20 seconds behind. And I practice singing in the shower, like every seriously masculine grown male with a beard. Okay, have we done uh, enough of this warm up? This is a, like a lot of it for usual. So let's get started with a thank you to my friend Garrett O'Boyle first. I want to start with the merch store today which is not usually where I start, go to the-suspendables.com. And maybe it's because uh, the pre-roll might be the most preferred part. And uh, the pre-roll, the beginning of the the, uh, show is when you put the the people that are the most paid advertisers, whatever. The-suspendables.com is my friend, Garrett O'Boyle's sweatshop, where he puts his children to work every morning. He chains them um, at the feet so the hands can work and they sweat and they put together shirts and sweatshirts and Ranger panties. And they type in the orders for the more pins and stuff like that. And they run the sewing machine to make the hats. All of these things are available on the-suspendables.com. Go there and use promo code KYLE. If you wanna save a couple bucks, you're welcome to do that, it'll save you 10%. So K-Y-L-E, that's the promo code. And the reason why I ran them first today is because as I looked at my laundry, like every grown male should look at every once in a while, all of my, my suspendable shirts were lined up and I thought, I was always a uniform kind of guy. I liked having a uniform. If you told me like this shirt was only for Monday, this shirt for Tuesday, so on and so forth, all the way down to this is your Sunday and this is your Saturday shirt. Man, that worked really well for me in the military. I had one laid out. I always knew what I was going to wear. And Garrett has given that back to me. So if you guys want to be in the same boat, you can go to the-suspendables.com and you can order up your own Suspendables merch. This one right here is one of my faves. If you guys can see it through the lighting, it is the dark on dark, the black on black, the night ops. So fun. It's got a PT, the PT logo on the back. It's really subdued. And that's kind of what I'm all about. I want to keep some covert skills. I don't need everybody to know that I'm a suspendable and neither do you. Maybe you just want to go out there and PT, but if somebody notices it, they go, Hey man, are you a federal air marshal? Have you been following me on my flights? You say, no, 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 I'm a suspendable. I, uh, I'm willing to get canceled or I've already been canceled for doing the right thing. Uh, maybe another one of those joining our ranks pretty soon. All right. So lest we get too far afield, let's get started with a couple of stories today. And, and it, Made sense to start with a Christmas song, it turns out. It made sense because I read this article from The Blaze, which was pushed out yesterday. And it's kind of awful, but it reminded me of the Mariah Carey song. You guys know that one. It was great in Love Actually. There's a movie reference for you. Uh, One of the great Christmas movies outside of Die Hard, regardless of what Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis says. He's old and senile. He doesn't know anymore. But the song is All I Want for Christmas is You which could be you, the baby Jesus. That's a wonderful thing to think. But instead, what we've got this kooky story coming out, it's it's incredibly sad, actually, but it also ties into some of the other stuff we've been talking about this week. People abandoning places like New York, Democrat strongholds. They're moving out. Why? Because of this crap going on. So here's a story out of the blaze. And what does it say? It says, criminal alleged to stab two teenagers at Grand Central Terminal while shouting racist remarks. And here's their Christmas wish on Christmas Day, stabbing two teenage girls. All I want for Christmas is what I took it, because it was on Christmas. I want all the white people dead. That's what that's what the statement was. So I've actually called this all I want for Christmas is dead white people. And and this is part of a broader and nastier, I think, um, experience that's going on in some of these cities where (laughs) these people have bought into what the Democrats were selling. And the Democrat Party is selling hate right now, which is why it's actually losing ground with just decent people. And they want to act and break it out like, well, is it uneducated college white people? And is it uh, black and black and brown people who labor for a living? They want to break it out all the ways they can do it. But the story is really that decent people, which is most people you'll find, if you go out and get off Twitter, which is a cesspool, if you get off Facebook, where people say weird things to you, by the way, I just opened up my Facebook and I didn't even realize it. I have a Facebook um, because of the the show and the show streams there to basically no one from what I can tell. And on there, there are a lot of like really ugly, nasty things. I like people sending me like they're like some white lady from God knows where is like, you're a traitor. It's like to what the FBI, you don't even work at the FBI. Maybe you do. Um, Anyway, very sad that so many people are afflicted with mental illness. The holidays tend to be a time when this comes out. This story real quickly. um, um, A man with a history of criminal convictions. You'll be shocked to learn that people in New York um, who have criminal histories, who have a link to significant mental illness and have screamed, all I want are dead white people or I want all the white people dead and stabbed people in public at Grand Central Station, which, you know, if you've ever been there, it's a hustling and bustling place. I dislike crowds. I dislike New York. I dislike Crowds in New York, the worst. Um, around 11.30 on Christmas Day, two teenage girls visiting New York City from South America. You know, those those evil white people from South America. I'm not saying that they don't have light-colored skin. I'm just saying, what a, what a thing to choose. Two people that are here on a tourist visa. They were enjoying an early lunch with their parents, even wilder. And as the family members were minding their own business, an unruly man, later determined to be 36-year-old Stephen Hutcherson of the Bronx, had become so disruptive at the uh, at the Tartinery, which is a little cafe there, in the main concourse, that uh, the members asked him to leave. And then, instead of leaving, he decided to lose his mind, and then began complaining loudly, and stabbed a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. He pulled out his own knife, and stabbed these two girls. One was stabbed so deeply in the back that the blade nicked her lungs. The other one was stabbed in the thigh. So not a like calculated assassination attempt, simply some guy just flailing wildly at little girls. And that tells us kind of a little bit about what has been allowed to happen. I'm not saying this guy is representative of a Democrat Party. What I'm saying is, is that the Democrat Party has lionized these people and has absolutely crushed the morale of the the people in law enforcement, particularly in New York. Uh, We talked to Saul Greco the other day. He's been removed because he had a a, a pair, you know, like a real man. He's a big guy. He knew that proactive police work was the message. If you guys missed the story, uh, if you missed our interview there, it's a lot of fun. It's stickball. It's, It's Goldeneye. But the story behind what Saul had to say was, if you are a proactive, aggressive police officer in the city of New York, that is no longer smiled upon. And many of you guys already know this sort of thing. But the consequences of such actions of defund the police or just restrain the police and keep them from doing their job is you get a couple of kids on a tourist visa getting stabbed in what should be one of our safest cities. They have an enormous police force. They have a a former police officer for the mayor. Can you just, like, let's just draw the narrative up real simply and 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 lay it out for people who are living in New York on what you should expect. When you had a former prosecutor like Giuliani in charge of that city, things got cleaned up. I almost swore, but I didn't. Things got cleaned up. Did they not? He said, we are not going to tolerate this. I know how crime works. I understand because I prosecuted criminals. I've run an office where that happens. So if you're going to be a scumbag, then you're going to deal with the cops. And the more you deal with the cops, the less likely you are to do scumbag stuff. It's actually like a one-to-one relationship. And then you do what's going on with Mayor Adams where you're like, oh, no, we're a sanctuary city. Just kidding. That actually is really hard for us. And now we've got a bunch of crazies running around and God knows who they are. And, you know, now we're mad at the Biden administration. So the feds are coming after me, which if you listen to what Saul had to say, and actually you should follow him on uh, on Twitter because he's got some really fun stories breaking. I have put him in touch with uh, some of Trump's investigators because the things that he has been able to put together... This is the problem. You get rid of guys that are good investigators and like all they do is go like, oh, well, like now I'm pissed and I'm gonna use my investigative skills to come after the bad guys. He's been able to tie that consofrito guy, the guy who owns that that uh, bar and restaurant where he's said Adams hangs out and has done fundraisers. Letisa James hangs out and does fundraisers. The guy who owns that is like a like a legit mobster. And there's internet interviews of him talking about when he became a made man that he got offered a hundred thousand dollars with another guy, two hundred thousand dollars between them to go kill somebody. Who owed another mobster like two million bucks? I mean, legit mob connections, because they made him. They, then he's a made man apparently. Uh, that he was an associate, but they, they elevated him faster because he, uh, he needed to be in that particular position with the family in, in order to, to engage in some of the violence he was going to go do. That's wild, and that's where your mayor is. So that's what happens when you see basic level corruption. Doesn't matter if it starts at the bottom or starts at the top. It all ends up permeating both levels. It just sinks through the, all the layers of the cake, and so that's why we've got a guy. Running around, and why does he want to stab white people of all things? Why would that be the thing? How about I just hate people? I'm a crazy, angry guy, and I'm miserable and lonely. No, he's been given a uh, a name for his pain. Our our leftist media has pushed it out, and they have named that that is the one place that you can strike with impunity. I I think that's the only way to describe it. If you are a so-called white person, (laughs) including if you're just a South American on a tourist visa, if you are a so-called white person, then you are PNG'd from the country that you're in. PNG'd is persona non gratis. It's what they do to people who are spies when we kick them out. We say you are diplomatically no longer permissible in this country. That's what we're dealing with right now, folks. And it doesn't have to be that way and nor should it be that way because a very, very fringe minority of people, one, think that way and two, act that way. We're going to cover a story that I think is the good news, the light in the end of this on this third day of Christmas. We're going to cover that at the end, if you will uh, permit me. So stick around for that. There, the, the news is continually better, which is why, just like I told you Mark Hout said the other day, um, the devil is always loudest when he's losing, and and he's losing right now. So uh, before we transition to the next story here, I wanted to uh, bring up Catholic Vote, speaking of which, Mark Hout and our story there. So let's just do that real quickly. Um, you guys can visit Catholic Vote at CatholicVote.org. They are our number one underwriter of this show, and they are America's top advocacy organization. The word Catholic, which is worth knowing, I keep finding more and more interesting people online that are Catholic. Josie, the redheaded libertarian over at TimCast, who does a lot of great spaces and has been uh, yelled at for uh, PyGate. If you guys don't know about PyGate, you're not on Twitter. Go check out Josie's feed. There's a lot of women who are really mad that she posed wearing like a 1950s dress in a kitchen with a crucifix on the wall and holding a pie. Uh, She's Catholic, apparently. She just put a whole thing out about that today. So she's going to come and maybe do an interview with us in two months and... Uh, chatting when she gets some free time. Maybe she'll talk to the folks at my friends at the LoopCast, which is also a good podcast. They do that once a week, as far as I know. Uh, Check out CatholicVote.org. And most importantly, uh, we mentioned it briefly yesterday, but I went ahead and pulled up a graphic for us. So here it is. Ah, The Catholic Prom King situation, as our friend uh, Tack P. in our chat says. There it is. Kyle Seraphim versus Mark Howe. You guys let me down a little bit. I'm going to tell you. Uh, Catholic Hero of the Year, whatever that means for a couple thousand people who, who voted. So there there you have it. Let me just do an ode to my friend, Mark Hout, who is a fantastic human. He's a Pennsylvania father and pro-life activist who was acquitted of violating the face Act in January. But he didn't stop there. In October, he announced that he is suing the Biden administration's Department of Justice for its aggressive and traumatic prosecution and persecution of him and his family. They pointed guns at his kids. He said, quote, I think if the DOJ gets hit hard enough And there's a big enough black eye against them then they're going to cease and desist from coming after pro-life people and people of faith end quote that's mark howt he's also running for congress against a former fbi agent and there is nothing more poetic in my opinion than giving that guy a chance to go into congress and maybe maybe just somebody who we have a direct line to will listen and say yeah yeah, that's what's up. We're going to defund the parts of the FBI that are dangerous. We are going to remove the intelligence mission, and we are not, we're not going to just sit by and let them go after pro-life Christians simply for the fact that they are on the, uh, they're on the wrong team. And the team seems to be destruction America. That's what it looks like to me. So, um, like I said, disappointed a little bit on you guys from the Mark Howe thing, but we're going to move on from there. Let's talk about what this is looks like. Why do we have a, uh, it's what Pope John Paul II used to call the culture of death. Uh, my favorite Pope, but maybe it's just because he was the Pope when I was a kid. Uh, JP2 was a great man, I think, by many accounts. And was one of the things I always remember is that he was actually shot. I'm to talk about being Christ-like. He was actually shot in an assassination attempt. There was a, a run on them, if you recall, uh, people like Reagan. and uh, And the Pope was actually shot. And as after he healed, he went and he visited the man in prison who was being held for shooting the Pope, and he forgave him, which is what you'd expect someone who is better than you to do. And I think he may have been that. Um, Look, everybody has their problems. Everybody's a human being, but that's pretty wild stuff. And this is the whole point that we're getting at right now is that if you keep doing a culture of death, which is what he used to talk about, what I grew up listening to in churches. The culture of death permeates through everything, and this is a pretty great example of it. There's really no other way around it. Coming from Catholic News Agency, this is in today's loop, worth your time. New Yorkers are going to vote on making abortion an equal right in the state's constitution. Just just pause on that for a second, if you will. How ugly it is to think that you're going to make it a right like because you're striking back against a conservative court. Now we did say it goes back to the states, but there's a reason I think that most people are running away from this stuff because it's ugly. The whole idea of the safe, legal, and rare—it's gone. It's gone. It's left. It's left the building. It's no longer the yeah, the '90s Clinton position is overwhelmingly destroyed. So New Yorkers will be voting on um, on. Next November, in a proposal to enshrine abortion rights in their state constitution, the vote comes as a wave of states attempt to expand abortion access by amending their constitutions following the overturn of Roe v. Wade in 2022. This is the backlash they're doing. Ohio is the most recent state to make abortion a "quote unquote" constitutional right, with voters in the swing state overwhelmingly voting to pass an amendment. The problem is, is that it's not the overwhelming number of people in Ohio; it's just the overwhelming number of voters. That's how it works. Now, one of the things, and if you guys. I used to listen to Ben Shapiro a lot when I was on surveillance. When I worked for the Bureau, I I had a lot of downtime. So I would ingest a a Bongino podcast and I would ingest a Ben Shapiro podcast and I had a couple others I like to listen to. Sometimes I would just have to cleanse the palate and I'd listen to Adam Carolla, who's great. If you never listen to Adam Carolla's show, that's what I listen to when I travel so that I can mellow out. Um, So there's another shameless plug for somebody else. One of the things that Ben Shapiro mentions about the pro-life movement and the way that it goes in this country is that he believes, and I've... I've come to believe this as well, that the fundamental refusal of human beings to be acknowledged as human beings, that was the real flaw. That was the real sin of slavery. And it resulted in a civil war. It resulted in a schism. Irreparable harm was done to this country because part of the country was standing on the side of human beings do not extend to this group of people who are quite obviously human beings. And I think that's what we're going to eventually see. I don't know if I'll see it even in my lifetime, but. I'm not in the lifetime of people who lived during the Civil War. I think if you go back uh, from the future, if we had a back to the future moment, a Marty McFly came back from 2050 or 2080 and looked at what was happening in the 2020s and saw this aggressive movement. Because we're not just saying that it it should be allowed sometimes. We're celebrating it. We as a society. And if we're celebrating the death of unborn children. Uh, and I'm, and it's very poignant for me right now. Having my four-month-old, I'm watching all the phases she's going through from being a absolutely helpless baby. She actually almost died the first day that we had her. We had her, we had her um, at home, and then within like twelve hours, she tried to die on us by choking on amniotic fluid, something babies do. I ended up doing aggressive suctioning. We had to have the uh, the uh, paramedics roll by. They were, I already had her breathing by the time they showed up, as you guys can imagine, but. Um, you know, you see just how frail and soft and helpless this is. And now she's just a ray of joy. She's four months old. She's grabbing things. She's trying to, you know, gnaw on stuff because she's starting to get gums at work. And then like the idea that we wouldn't acknowledge someone at the beginning as a person, it's it's dark. It's a real dark thing. And I think it's going to be a stain on our national our national history. So now... You don't have to agree with everything ben shapiro says he lost a lot of people including me when he was going on and on about how if you're compassionate you're going to get the vaccine all that kind of non nobody wants that uh, but that doesn't mean that you throw out everything I, there's people that we should agree with and disagree with and uh and the thing that i do agree with is that this is one of those ugly scary moments where the culture of death definitely coming through and we shouldn't just take it laying down luckily americans are not they actually are voting on this stuff In a big, big way, they are moving with their feet and saying, I don't want to put my money, my tax resources, and I don't want this to be the priority in the state that I live in. And that's why they're going to places like Florida and Texas, and those states continue to gain. We're actually seeing losses of electoral votes, especially if we had a more fair um, census system, which I think we're actually pretty ugly. They're trying to slant it towards illegals and so on. But if we had a fair system, I think you would see actually a, a lowering of both New York and California, and perhaps we will see that. I don't mean to belabor this. The funny thing is, is when I hear people tell me if the, if the conservative movement would just get away from abortion, if we would just let that go, then maybe they would have a chance and just run on the economy. But if you don't love babies, like that's like the most monstrous inhuman thing, like the most nasty and horrible atrocities that have his- existed throughout history have been attacks on the most innocent that's why they're that's why they're atrocious. If you mow down a bunch of men who have weapons, we go like, ah, oh, it's really awful that people died. Like the sacrifice, putting yourself in front of the country. Like, but that's what men do. Children have a vote in that; they don't have a say at all. And that's why it's such a big deal. I think it's why it's so emotional to me, uh, and it's certainly a reason why I think it's worth covering on. So let's let's pivot just a little bit, because as I said, we're going to kind of stitch up a number of things. We're going to stitch up a number of things that we talked about in the last couple of days, going back maybe a week, maybe 10 days. Here's one for you. And and I'm going to tell you why it matters in a second. This is coming out of CNN's politics page, the K-File. I don't know what the K-File is. Is that Andrew Kaczynski? Is that who that guy is? Allison Gordon M. Steck? I don't know any of these people. Trump defends former influencer convicted of election interference who has racist, anti-Semitic past. Do you guys have any idea who that would be? You've watched our show. Who could that person be? I'll just watch the chat and see if it pops up on here. Trump defending a former influencer convicted of election interference. Was he really convicted of election interference? Again, it's false, but it's coming from CNN. So we expect as much. Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. who've come to the defense of a one-time social media influencer who's been convicted of election interference and a well-known history of pushing deeply racist, anti-Semitic, amply Muslim, and homophobic content online. Who could that be? You mean Doug Mackey, who we've had on the show? There it is, daughter of the sun god. I I waited just long enough for one of you to get it. That's right, Douglas Mackey. Now, why are they taking shots at Donald Trump for his Douglas Mackey statements? Because Douglas Mackey is important on his face. Like, even if you dislike every single thing Doug Mackey said, it's incredibly important that we have the right to say, whether they be uh, racist, anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim, or homophobic things. You have to be allowed to say that to be to be smeared that way and then convicted in the court of public opinion and then in a crappy, uh, crappy jury to be convicted that way is really, really bizarre. And it's anti-American. It's incredibly dangerous. That is what censorship looks like. And the idea that they are going to smear what he got convicted of, which was conspiracy against rights, conspiracy to deprive people of their rights, which nobody had happened. They're calling it election interference in the same way they are trying to slant a narrative about what happened on January 6th, right? All these things are really crazy to me because where did that even come from? Where did they actually get that particular story? And interestingly enough, it's not out of the blue. It came from a lovely group of people called Media Matters for America. And give me one second, because I'm going to pull up Media Matters for America's story. And you should be concerned because that's that's where they're getting their talking points, and those people are extreme far-left loonies. There's no other way around it. They're totally nuts. Here it is. Media Matters for America. They published this on the 12th. It took a full two weeks for it to get into the CNN headline. And this one says, Donald Trump Jr. tells white nationalists that he may be my favorite Twitter account of all time. They Did you see that jump? CNN, what do they call him? Let me go back to the headline from CNN. The CNN headline is he's a former influencer who's a racist, anti-Semitic past. And it started with the more aggressive claim, Media Matters for America, calling him a white nationalist right off the bat, and then showing that uh, there's a you know picture of Donald Trump. So they went out there, or Donald Trump Jr. rather, uh, talk about how he was sentenced for spreading falsehoods via Twitter. That's not what he was sentenced for. He was sentenced for specifically conspiracy against rights. It's a It's a novel claim, it's a novel use of the statute. But this is how we're seeing them launder this garbage into mainstream thought. It starts with far left lunatic fringe media matters for America who have an absolute hard on for going after a Donald Trump and a Donald Trump Jr. And it turns out they even went after me when I said something about, um, isn't it weird that we see a $3,000 instant cheese pizza download with an AI generated kid with a wink on Etsy in a private account where you can't find it through the search engines. But if you have the address, you can find it because apparently that's how they spread them around the dark web. I talked to my friend Tracy Beans about this. She said she would bet her life on it, that uh, the Pizzagate stuff is completely legit. And, and that may be true. I haven't done enough research on it, but I tend to trust what Tracy says. She's been pretty squared away on these things and I don't think she's, she's want to uh, engage in, in wild conspiracy and conjecture without any sort of facts. So they came after me because of, the, because of the Pizzagate thing, which I didn't say Pizzagate. I just said, this is a really weird thing to do. And if I was a regular person, which I am, and I were to look as a thinking human being at what's going on on an Etsy, I'd have some questions. Did anyone go buy that? They said it's been debunked. Did they go out and try to put the $3,000 down and see what the cheese pizza was? Or were they waiting for the feds? Because it's either a fed trap or it's a child pornographer who's selling child pornography. That's the only two possibilities for me on that one. Most likely it's a Fed trap, to be fair, just so you guys know. But interesting, because we're seeing them uh, th- them go after this a racist anti-Semitic past election interference. They have to try to smear and to move Donald Trump into the camp of people who are election deniers, because what are they trying to do? They're trying to move the public opinion about what's going to be declared in the Supreme Court, and they're trying to back up and substantiate and try to add some some sandbags to firm up the position of the Colorado Supreme Court. That's Colorado Supreme Court, which came up with a novel idea, which is to say, yes, Donald Trump engaged in insurrection, even though he wasn't being tried for insurrection, and even though nobody else has even been either. We're just making it up as we go. And that's why we're gonna stay our ruling, because it's a crappy ruling. And we're gonna put him on the ballot anyway, but we are virtue signaling to you that we also believe, all of us Ivy Leaguers, as you remember, the four justices that voted in favor of, uh, of calling of calling Donald Trump an insurrectionist. Those four justices went to where? Harvard, Yale, UPenn, UVA, University of Virginia. All East Coast, all elite, all Ivy or Ivy adjacent schools. And the three that knew otherwise were the ones who were living in Denver. The regular people, it turns out. They're probably regular liberal people, which we can actually get along with. There's There's a big reason why I use the word leftist so often. Because if we're not making that distinction, and there's plenty of people that are in the mainstream that are not making that distinction, there are people that I can get along with. I can get along with a Matt Taibbi. I can get along with liberal people who don't agree with me. It's fine. It's totally fine. Why would that be a problem? We just disagree on policy. But we don't think that things that are bad are good. That's that's a serious issue. That's something we should be concerned about. So they're trying to smear Trump with this. And what's interesting is to me is that they laundered it using Media Matters for America to make it on the far left Looney's fringe, and then they slowly creep it in through the CNN. Slowly, slowly. Um, I did have an opportunity to talk to Matt Taibbi. I am gonna play a quick snippet of this interview that I did yesterday. As I mentioned, I'm guest hosting Dinesh D'Souza's show, so I'm using that to uh, my advantage to, to talk to some people that I don't normally get to talk to and share some other people with broader audiences. If you're gonna tune in for today's uh, Dinesh interviews, I'm talking to Tara Rodas, and Aaron Stevenson. So I'm going to talk to them one at a time and set them up, exposing them to a different audience. You guys have heard it, but you'll maybe hear something new. Every time I talk to them, I get a little bit of new stuff. All right, before we play the little bit of uh, Matt Taibbi, which I think talks to us about censorship, it's Twitter files, it's it's why regular liberals don't bother me. Um, Let me do a quick ad read here for my friends over at 4Patriots. And there it is for patriots.com slash Kyle for patriots.com slash Kyle. That's the number for patriots.com slash Kyle. If I say it four times, it'll help you remember it. Especially those of you who are just listening on the audio, uh, what you're seeing on the screen right there, the emergency preparedness deals. That's the landing page. If you type in for patriots.com slash Kyle there, that's what you get. Um, what they sent me to start off with was the 72 hour survival food kit. We actually cooked that up. Uh, there's some easy things in there like mac and cheese. There's some more complicated things like breakfast food. All of these things are shelf stable for up to 25 years, which means you can just buy them, stow them, hold on to them, not worry about a short crisis of food, whether you've got uh, living in New York as you try to escape or you're living somewhere in the boonies and the power goes out or whatever it is, or maybe you're just stuck in your car and you just keep a little bit of water so you can rehydrate and a little bit of a, a cooking stove. I have little survival packs that are like, yay big. It's food. It's a little bit of water for cooking. It's a piece of uh, like a little camping fuel, like a whisper light. Super good idea. You guys can check out all the different products they've got on here, whether it be for lighting, whether it be for nutrition, or whether it be for power, Uh, and even even, uh, the solar on-the-go fridge, which actually looks very interesting to me. I like the idea of a self-cooling fridge, particularly when you live in Texas. Texas has a lot of sun and not a lot of cold things during the summer, which is probably why I got to move out of here. But check out fourpatriots.com slash kyle. You guys will be glad that you did. Okay, so as promised, I'm going to play you guys just a quick little clip here. This is from uh, Matt Taibbi. This is from the Dinesh D'Souza podcast yesterday, the Dinesh D'Souza show, if you will. And uh, it's a longer clip than necessary, than normal, I guess, but um, I'm talking, so I'll just keep playing it and uh, we'll, we'll share it. And if You guys can see the whole interview by going to his link on Rumble and uh, encourage that you do so. Here's a little quick snippet. So we're talking to Matt Taibbi, who was one of the original journalists to break open the story of the Twitter files. And I want to get into that right now because we're talking about the analogs between the Soviet Union. We're talking about what we're seeing in America. It's not nearly as formalized a relationship. Maybe you can kind of talk about what you guys started seeing as you peel back the curtain there.
1: Yeah. So when we went into the Twitter files, we were thinking maybe we might find like a couple of letters about something like the Hunter Biden laptop story from some organization like the FBI. We actually didn't find anything about that story, which was direct. But then we started to see emails that said things like "flagged by FBI," "flagged by DHS," "flagged by HHS," "flagged by Treasury," um, and they were they were all about. Um, this was all during the period running up to the election, and we started to find, you know, hundreds of these emails. Sometimes they would be attached to Excel spreadsheets that had thousands or hundreds or thousands of account names on them, and they would come with a sort of form letter, uh, you know, piece of text on them that would say, we think that these accounts may violate your terms of service. You may, at your own discretion, choose to take action. Uh, And we subsequently found out that there was a regular system of meetings between all the biggest tech companies and the FBI, DHS, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, and a formalized system of funneling these flag notices. They had a whole bureaucracy of content flagging that we discovered. It took us about three or four weeks to figure it out, but it was all there. It was mind blowing.
0: The other question I have, because very few people have actually done the thing you did, which was practice journalism behind the iron curtain experience, what it looks like to really be in an authoritarian type state. Now you're seeing some of that apparatus, you know, that nobody else can see. Was there any fear involved as you guys started to go forward?
1: A little bit. Uh, you know, I, I knew journalists in Russia. I have a couple of the people who I knew during my time there um, are no longer with us, you know, got murdered uh, after after Putin took power. But there were attacks even while I, um, during the Yeltsin years. And so I always had a healthy appreciation of the difference between what, a, what American journalists go through and what they people go through in the third world. You know, you're not going to get shot in your doorway or, or killed by a poisoned telephone, which is something that happened to a reporter in Russia. Uh, but. Yeah, you know, this stuff was explosive. We knew that the intelligence agencies and the FBI in particular, they were not going to be happy. They made statements to that effect uh you know denouncing this reporting as conspiracy theory and the the one thing that we were sure of is that whatever this was this project was going to be temporary like it was going to be shut down one way or the other we just didn't know what from what angle that would happen
0: he didn't know what angle was going to be shut down but obviously it was going to be shut down and of course that actually turned out to be the case so if you guys missed that it's totally worth your time to go hear what matt Taibbi had to say and the thing that i didn't know previously was that they went in looking for the Hunter Biden laptop story. And what they found was something even crazier. I likened it to, uh, if imagine if you were digging and you were looking for fossils and you, and you suddenly found like a little hole that just dropped down. They actually have a place like that called the Inner Space Cavern in uh, in Central Texas. And apparently what these guys were doing is they were digging and excavating to find um, places to put the pylons for I-35. I believe it was for I-35, the, the uh, interstate. And as they were digging down, they just opened up this hole that just seemed to just drop like precipitously down 20, 30 feet into the ground. And it was this open, huge cavern. And when they went and started excavating it, they found all kinds of wild stuff in there. There was like a saber-toothed tiger that had fallen in there. And I think they had like a woolly mammoth or a mastodon type thing. They had all these animals that had fallen into like what had been basically a sinkhole and that had been kind of built up around. And that bubble had either flooded and managed to keep that cavern still, but it's this massive like walk in and it's just this this uh, cathedral type ceiling. And that's what they found. They basically were looking for like one relic of what might have happened. And when they got into it, they found this huge cavern. And the cavern was government censorship and coming after us and the slanting of the narratives. And the thing that I found also very interesting, which many of you guys already know this stuff, but it's worth hearing it from somebody who saw the machinations. They were artificially tweaking, you know, boosting certain signals and de-boosting other signals. Now, if you're aware of that in real time, it doesn't do anything to you. You go, oh, that's bullshit. I'm going to go find the real thing. But what they were doing is doing it in such a way that as they did it, a lot of people's opinions about reality shifted because they were actually trusting that these were done in good faith. And there's another good example, and I didn't actually grab it for the screen, but bear with me, because this is what I think all of this has been about. This is why people are leaving. This is what the the massive fear is. There's a great worthwhile read on CNN's politics under the fault line scenario. This is the uh, the partisan politics that they get into. And this is the article titled, it's guy uh, by a guy named Ronald Brownstein. He actually misses, well, he's slanting the point, but bear with me here. He says, this may be Biden's best hope of reversing his slide with black and brown voters. Okay, so we've talked about it on the show. We've brought it up before. Joe Biden has an incredible weakness more than any other Democratic president in in decades with what they call non-white voters, black and brown people which is amazing to me because whenever I meet somebody, the first thing I don't think about is like, is this a black or a brown person? How shall I talk to them? No, when I look at them and I say, this is a human being, do we agree with values? Do we agree with you know things in policy? Do we agree with the value of children, et cetera, et cetera? Do we have Western commonalities? Joe Biden's weakness in the polls among non-white voters is boosting Republican hopes that the GOP is poised to extend its most important political breakthrough in modern times and potentially reshape the competition between the two parties all along the way. Do you remember how Barack Obama basically said it was all over? That they had built a durable coalition of people who had co-aligned interests, black people and brown people who had like lower paying jobs and LGBTQ plus people who didn't know what to do with their genitals and rich liberals who wanted to spend other people's money. Like apparently that is the coalition that they were building it on. Um, It's pretty clear if you read the Bible that building your house on shifting sands is not how you keep it still, you must build it on rock. And there's nothing more firm um, then people agreeing that the bedrock principles of America—fairness, looking to the future, value of children—you know things that have existed for hundreds of years that basically all of Western society is pinned on—that's a pretty good selling point. It may not be sexy, but uh, all you got to do is walk away from it and see how how crappy things get, and then suddenly you realize like, oh. That's why, that's why we believe in things in a traditional way. And so the swing is coming back here. This, this crazy nonsense that Joe Biden is somehow palatable to these people is, is wild. And what they basically said is the only way, um, here, let me just try to read this one little piece here. White voters uh, recoiled from democratic cultural liberalism as the social upheavals of the 1960s and 70s. They argue uh, working class Latinos and even black voters are shifting towards the GOP now in rejection of the woke ideology on issues like crime and immigration and LGBTQ rights. Um, I grew up in a Catholic high school. I went to an all boys Catholic high school and we used to, the joke was always that if you went to an all boys school, they would, they would try to make it about people being gay. That's why men went to all boys schools. And what I would argue, having matriculated out of that environment is that an all boys high school is probably the worst environment in, a, in the world, particularly in America. It's one of the worst environments for a gay young man. It is incredibly vicious. It's dudes with no women to check our testosterones, just doing horrible things to each other on a regular basis because we're dumb and we're young and we have testosterone and we're figuring out what masculinity is about. And so it's all it's all bad. And the idea that like like that you would get black and Latino voters who have machismo type cultures, who have um, masculine cultures that are pretty ingrained in like physical identity. To take that and think like what we're going to do is we're going to sell them a bunch of gender confusion. Like if you presented that to a board of people, like they'd be like, no, that's a terrible idea. And yet that's what the modern Democratic Party has pushed. It's it's totally bizarre. It's absolutely strange that that's what they just decided to hang their hat on. And the weirdest thing is they thought they would be victorious, not just thought, but they actually believe that their victory was assured because they were morally right. Despite the fact that they are obviously morally wrong and they are backwards they're doing things that don't make any sense for all of human history. So all of that kind of wild stuff is what leads to this. It's hubris, which my friend uh Garrett Boyle would definitely call in. It's pride, which is a sin uh in a biblical context, but it's just foolishness if you just understand how human beings work, unless you think you can negotiate human reality, which I don't think you can. Uh, you know, there's certain things that men are always going to do, there's certain things that women will always do even if they take a bunch of hormones and they dress up like the other gender or the other sex, they will still do them. Like I had a female who is uh, dressed up like a man, follow me on social media and attack me all these times. And, and all she does, cause it's a female, um, is claim to be a man while kind of like whining, like an emotional female. And you go like, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry that that exists for you. Your life is sad, but lady <sighs> calm down. Like nobody believes it. You're not even a passable, male. You're just an ugly lady at this point. And, and that's what we're dealing with. Just like we saw in that little video the other day of that woman who doesn't know what the difference is between a woman and a, a non-binary woman and a, she's a queer something, something face piercing vagina owner. All that stuff is super weird. And it doesn't sell to like black guys who work hard for a living or Latino guys that are, you know, doing day laboring and, or working in a physical job. Like that's what they think they're going to be able to convert them on. Man, they have not read the room, <laughs> not even a little bit. It's just so strange. Go to any construction site, which is like more and more overwhelmingly full of Hispanic young men that are working their asses off and building America, just like people have always done, by the way. Immigrants have always built this country. You got to be real about that. Uh, Legal or illegal. The only thing that I think is so awful about is that we have a safety net that pays people that are not doing it. But the people that are busting their ass, like the railroads got laid by the Chinese. They came in here and they died by the by the hundreds on the job. They just left him in the ditch because they were just moving on. That was what American progress looked like. You were never guaranteed success. I'm going to steal another Ben Shapiro one, but you were never guaranteed success. You were always just guaranteed like a ticket to ride. And so that's the sales point is that America is a country of hope and hard work, and you might get a chance to be successful and you might die trying. But if you're going to try and go out there that everybody's going to be safe and it doesn't matter what you want to do with your your stuff and if you want to chop off parts of your body to try to make yourself look like something else like okay that's not a durable coalition it turns out the rainbow coalition is not legit and they're seeing that right now and cnn is in panic mode that's what this stuff has got that's why you've got to say that trump is an insurrectionist you have to you got to take him off the ballot because if it's given the choice between hey did you have more money in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 or are you better off now the only people that i see that are actually uh pushing back against this stuff which is quite funny um there's this guy he's a democratic strategist uh, at equus research polling firm for uh, specializing in Latinos. He says, "Uh, I keep looking for it as well, but you're not seeing as much evidence for a culture war driving any kind of change at the moment. What's driving Trump and the Republicans is the economy. And at the end of the day, it's the economy stupid. It's over and over and over again. It's the truth in American politics. That may be true, but I'll tell you what turns people off is trying to act like a crazy person and then also forgetting about the economy. If you had a really good economy and like really weird social policies, people would sort of go like, meh, okay, it's working. Let's go with it. Uh, There's another little piece in here talking about the difference between um, non-white, um, non-college educated voters, and then white, non-college educated voters. So you're, you're working class, white and non-white. And what they break it down is, is that essentially there's this sort of tribal identity that they think they can bypass, that that uh, white people without a college degree have basically said like, I'm not a Democrat, that's garbage and you're garbage, and so I'm not willing to hear what you have to say on door knocks and phone polls. But that if you are uh, have darker skin color, that you're going to be more likely to be susceptible and you're more likely to listen to a polling person or a door to door knocker who's trying to convince you like, hey, like, you know, our crappy policies that have been making you go broke are actually really great. And then they go like, oh, maybe like you look like me. That's what they're essentially saying is that if you send black and brown people into black and brown neighborhoods, that the they will go like, oh, like we look the same. We must think the same, which is fundamentally racist, it turns out. And that should be the messaging from conservative politicians that want to gain these votes. It's like just because you look like someone doesn't mean you think like them. Think about your family. How many people sit around the kitchen table and make terrible decisions that you wouldn't make? Do you think that those people should be, you know, just because they look like you or just because you have the same last name that you should vote for them and they should be able to make decisions about your life? If not, how about our policies? What do you think? It's actually pretty easy. Uh I I don't understand how how these people are so out of touch with it, but the, uh, the best here was, it says, uh, executive director for Working America, this guy named Matt Morrison. He says, a group that is politically organized as working class voters and they don't deal with people in the unions. They just go out there and they've been knocking on the door and they say the critical difference between white and non-white voters with a college degree is that if you communicate with black and brown voters, they're more likely to come back to being Democrats. They lack the social glue that makes them say, I'm from a different tribe. But what they're really saying is the opposite of that, by the way. What they're saying is that they, their tribe is based on looks. And they're willing to come back to be Democrats because that's where they belong. The whole idea of the democratic plantation, it's out there. It's real. We should all sort of accept it. Um, That's what they talk about. Let me do a a read for my friends over at uh, Patriot Coolers, if you guys will. Tolerate this. There it is. They're my friends and they're good people. And it is PatriotCoolers.com. You just use the promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-N-E. K-Y-L-E gets you 10% off there, 50 bucks. You'll get free shipping. I had one of you, uh, Trucky, just hit me on Twitter and showed me a picture of a new... new, um, hard sided cooler it looks outstanding i think it's in tan and the 50 quart coolers are great the the smaller ones are great too i use the bigger ones and just fill up our the back of our minivan highly recommend using these products been using them since 2017 long before i ever imagined i'd have a podcast when i thought i was going to retire as a federal agent i used them when i was on duty And uh, I still keep one on the desk every single day. And while I was showing you the Taibbi video, I was drinking this one. I like that it says Patriot right here on the side, right along this handle. It's kind of subdued. It's not going to offend anybody unless you put a sticker on there from the Suspendable Sweatshop. But check them out. Check out all their stuff. If you guys are walking around and you're like, hey, I want to buy one product and toss out the others. That's what we did. That's what our New Year's resolution is. I had a mix match bunch of coffee cups and, you know, rando stuff from Costco and stuff like that. Threw them all out, gave them to the neighbors, whatever. Give uh, Give them to a goodwill. And pick up a Patriot Cooler and then just be satisfied with a nice looking product that does a good job. PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle so that we get credit here at the show K Y L N E. All right. So I promised you a little bit of interesting news, a little bit of good news here, right? And so let's do just that right here. Number one, people are leaving, they don't like it, they don't want this crap. And they just have decided that New York is not going to be it. This is a funny thing. It comes out of the lifestyles and culture from Fox News. It says that Times Square New York uh, New Year's Eve organizers are dismissing the study saying it's apples to oranges. That's funny because it's Orlando, Florida being plucked as the number one place to celebrate New Year's Eve this year in 2023. Why is that? Maybe because people don't want to get stabbed by a bunch of like uh, loonies from the Bronx and they don't want to have a pro-Palestine Hamas protest break out while they're trying to just enjoy this this festival that we do, which is probably for single people and retired people. I don't know any parents that are staying up and watching this, but if you are, put it in the chat or put it down in the uh, the comments below. Let me know that you're really interested in uh, celebrating New Year's Eve. Like, I, I got kids. I don't have time for that kind of nonsense at all. But Orlando made it on the number one. And uh, number two was San Diego. You'll notice they're both sunshine states. San Diego is actually a fairly conservative city, all things told. Is it perfect? No, of course not. It's in California. But um, Orlando picking number one. And then New York was falling to number three on this one little random website. It's called Wallet Hub, which I don't go to to decide what I'm going to do, but somebody does. Probably some young millennials think that. The interesting thing is, is that Orlando is even moving up on the chain at all. And that it there are multiple um, cities that are in front of New York City, like I said, it's just not a fun thing to imagine going standing in the cold, in the wet, uh, watching a ball drop simply because people have always done it there. And New York used to be the center of the world. Like now people can travel and there's better places to go. And it's usually better when it's not so damn cold. If you're going to be standing outside watching something like fireworks and so on, they have a beautiful picture of the New York's um, I'm sorry, the New York New Year's Eve firework display in Orlando, because, of course. There's all kinds of entertainment, and they are big, big on tourism. So that's Steve Friend's backyard. We'll ask him about that on Friday. But worth knowing that there's this movement away from the traditional strongholds of power. And uh, I think, I think, in a fair election, the Democrats are in deep, deep doo doo this year. They will not be getting their partridge in a pear tree as we come into 2024. But stay tuned because th- that's the key. They have to smear a Trump. They've got to go after all these other people. They've got to align him with, you know, anti-Semitic and. Uh, racist and homophobic and other nonsensical stuff and that's the only way that they're able to actually communicate something that is not really it's not really that strong it turns out it's just not that strong of a uh, a piece this is what uh, a clip is i believe this is going to be a little view of what it feels like um in the beginning stages of 20 24, as Trump probably locks up the nomination, which is the most likely thing right now. I think this is going to be what Democrats are going to be doing. Uh, It occurred to me as I was reading these articles, this is what they all sound like. So you guys probably recognize this clip, but uh, it's worth keeping in mind as you hear some of the frantic nature of uh, those on the political left. There it is. Just remain calm, folks. All is well. If you can just let them do whatever crazy thing they've come up with, all will be well and it'll be fine. They won't uh, They won't steamroll and they won't lose everything. They just all believe it. If you just believe it's kind of like Santa Claus, it will all work out for you. Um, maybe not. Okay. And, and here's another little sort of uh, shining light in all of this, which is to say that there was recently a survey. You could find this actually in today's loop. Uh, this is from who is this? Aliatia, I don't know this I don't know this website, but I did like that it was citing Pew research, which is definitely not like super right-leaning, and it stated that Americans are surprisingly spiritual. Why is that surprising? This is a godly country. It always has been. And uh and the default position, whether you like it or not, has been some spiritual tradition, whether it be Christianity, whether it be Judaism. Now more and more there are some some Muslims here, but the overwhelming percentage still sort of have this basic thing. And what do they decide? It turns out that 83% of people in the United States who are adults believe that people have a soul or a spirit in addition to a physical body. And 81% say there's something spiritual beyond the natural world. What does that mean, practically speaking? Because it actually is a moment of hope. I think, I think it's a moment of hope. And here's what it means to me, practically speaking. People know that they will be held to account that their body and their life is not the only thing that matters. And living on this planet and the experience in this time are not the only things that matter. And if you believe those things, if you think that that is true, then you have to act in a specific and certain way. You have to act accordingly. You cannot uh, act with impunity and do wild things to children and and you know stand behind the, the murder of the innocent and go after and support policies that result in people getting stabbed when they come here just to visit our biggest city, which has historically been a nice place to go at some point in time. At least in my life, there were times when going to New York wasn't a big deal. You know, I'm married to uh, a, a recovering New Yorker in the same way that I'm a recovering Fed. That's that's just the way it used to be. It used to be better. It's been worse. It's on a down. It's on a localized bad time, and it can be pulled back. What it would take is that people would have to take it seriously that these policies suck. And they result in bad things. And it turns out that 83% of people believe that they might be held accountable to something more than this. And maybe, maybe they're willing to also be suspendable. I think a lot of people lost a lot of ground, but they've looked at it and they said, I'm going to be held to account for what I did. Maybe this isn't the moment when I just give in. Maybe we don't just give it all up, right? Because it's not just about this one life. If most people, the overwhelming, that's a super majority, by the way, you could pass anything with 83% of the, the population believing something, if you could get them all together. That's, you just have to say, what does it mean for you to believe that sort of thing? And what it means is, you know, it's not just about the transient nature of this world. I think that's, I think that's overwhelmingly encouraging, it is to me at least, and, uh, and I don't hate that that's what's going on. Let me throw a, a last one up here. We could say a quick uh, ad read for our friends over at MyPillow, um, Mike Lindell, the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know what's going on with the adding of the page. They must be refreshing it right now. So go to MyPillow.com slash Kyle if you want to go and check out any of those things. If you're looking for bedding, if you're looking for towels, if you're looking for slippers, we could just keep refreshing this for some reason. I kind of dig it. Uh, MyPillow.com slash Kyle. I don't know about the 2.0 pillow. I may have them send me one. I tried the 1.0, folks, and I sent it back, and uh, you know what? It says a lot about the company because they were willing to take the return that they say. They actually have like a X number or whatever it is, 60 days or hundred day guarantee on it. And if you use it, they'll they'll accept it. My wife bought like a couple of pillows. I was like, nah, eh, not for me, I'm real picky. I only like pillows from Marriott. But the, the other stuff, we got my folks sleeping on their sheets and I got my friends wearing their slippers. And so check out mypillow.com if you're gonna use it. Promo code is Kyle, K-Y-L-E, or go to mypillow.com slash Kyle, and you can use that there. Uh, lastly, let's say thanks. I saw a couple of your rubble rants on here. I can dig them up here. Once. One of them, let me just grab this real quick here. <laughs> this is from JTall2023, a $50 Rubble rant saying good morning to all the V&P owners. <laughs> and I hate that I had to hear this yesterday. Anyway, uh, we're executing a plan as requested on uh, yesterday's show. I failed and I'm not in charge. Very, Very funny. <laughs> The P and V owners. My dad and I actually had a conversation about that driving down uh, to go get a key copied at an Ace Hardware. And he goes, you know, uh, VO has always meant voiceover because my dad came out of the news business and people who did VO work were, um, they were doing voiceovers. And yet VO could also mean vagina owner, apparently, which that's what he took away from, from that weird clip. Uh, what a strange time to be alive. We do appreciate all of you guys out there in the live chat. Thanks for joining us here. You guys can do that at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you are there, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up on, on the rumble app, or if you are watching on the website, both of those things help move us up. And it's very appreciated. There are so many of you out there right now. We continue to grow the show because of you and because of the five-star reviews that we get on Apple. Which is our single biggest audio platform. I don't want to discount the folks at Spotify or at iHeartRadio or the other places you listen to it. We're all, always hosted on Podbean if you guys are looking for it, the original post. And you can actually find the audio podcast at Kileserafin.com if you didn't know. But this one is a great, this is a, uh, a friendly Friday, just a little bit early. I'm just doing them in order, folks. This is a review from God King Harambe. Yeah, God King Harambe says Best new podcast, five stars. I've eaten my one almond, I'm wearing two coats. And I have the temperature set to 99 degrees. Let's get into Friendly Friday. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. And Steve Friend will appreciate the uh, extra coats, the almond, and of course, the warmth setting on the thermostat. says, love the podcast. Enjoy the banter. Great host and interesting and informative topics. Keep sending the shows downrange 100%. We'll do that. God King Harambe. That's a funny name. If you guys don't know about Harambe. Actually, one of the FBI's HRT, the uh, hostage rescue boats, is called Harambe. They have a number of like these like really high-speed go-fast boats. And one of them is called Harambe. So quite, quite funny. And uh, I think you guys, if you keep giving us those reviews, we're not going to get to a thousand, but uh, we'll get close. So thanks so much for adding all those things. I hope you guys have a blessed day on this third day of Christmas. And if you want to stick around the Dinesh D'Souza show, it does stream at a time when they are done editing it is what I'm told. It's not the same time every day. So you could just follow his channel. He's got a bunch of them. Um, We're taking the reins and we're going to abuse our privileges by introducing our friends to an absolutely new audience. I think you guys will enjoy it. So look forward to Tara Rodas and Aaron Stevenson on that. And I will see you again tomorrow morning at 0930 Eastern for the Kyle Seraphin Show. God bless y'all. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin Show streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.